A company is kinda like a building. Building. Stocks are the bricks of the building. Building. Cause if you own a brick, you own part of it. Stocks are sold on the stock market. A company is kinda like a pie. Pie. A stock is a slice that you buy. Why? Cause if the pie is popular to eat. Okay, okay, okay. Just stop the music. Before we work, we should have some fun. So it's time for some trivia. Every episode, we will start with a trivia. The people that will get it correctly will have their names drawn to win a chance to either appear on the podcast as a guest or submit a question and we will directly answer it for them. So without any further wait, let's get to the trivia question. I know that these trivias tend to be challenging, but without this challenge, what would be the fun? So let's look at the person this week. This person was born in October, worth billions of dollars. This person in every true sense is a true, true entrepreneur, lived in Seattle, has German ancestry, and this person gives a lot of money away and was also recognized one of the top minds of the 20th century. So who is this person? Good luck figuring this out. Please remember to send all answers to gabriel.ronkai at protonmail.com G-A-B-R-I-E-L dot R-O-N-K-A-I at P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot com Please remember to send all answers to gabriel.ronkai at protonmail.com Please write in the subject heading trivial answer and the show number now let's start this bullish podcast and let's have some better music okay let's start to come to you and to continue talking from where we left off last week basically if you recall last week we were talking about some of the things that you as before you want to invest that you need to look at examine and think about it so you can have a better investment experience that's including a pre-investing contract which is basically a contract that you write with yourself that will tell you uh, certain details about what you need to work on and many, many details about your investment experience, about how much you want to invest, your risks you want to take, long-term, short-term, and many, many things. Later in another podcast, we'll get into the exact details about what's in a pre-investment contract. However, before we go there, we really, really need to look at and talk about a couple of things that uh, 
not necessarily bother me but it's just I think we need to look at it if I want to be straight and clear about what is there for everybody when before they invest to look at to just to examine and make sure that people have an educated uh, understanding what they might find and get into and how much things might cost them and of course I'm talking about many of the things that are out there on the internet for you to learn from uh, to, to learn from to do better investing and I'm talking about there are some sites that basically let you on for free try the tickers and see if you can figure out how to do things and give you free credit to learn from or offer you lessons sometimes free sometimes for money or they offer you DVDs and so on and so forth now by themselves as these programs they could be good they could be okay and and you know you will have to find out for the, yourself whether you actually want these or you could actually use them but let me just point out a few things that you might not know and some of it was actually quite surprising for me uh, that basically just sort of came to me out of the blue about uh, probably about three or four days ago from a friend of mine you see when it comes to investment and investing there are a lot of people out there that basically well they call themselves gurus or they call, call themselves experts and they could be I mean the point is you never really know unless you talk to them whether they are or they are not but based on that belief uh, that they are and that's what they're projecting out on their websites and in their social presence try to sell you some packages about software about books about dvds and pro uh, programs or whatever else that you have tickers you can check and so on and so forth and basically trying to tell you as one of the services perhaps even when to buy and when to sell certain stocks like as a recommendation they recommend you a particular stock to buy in and they recommend that stock to sell it at a certain point now as you look at this it's not really an issue if you look at what they give you and what you get out of it perhaps but perhaps only if you can make it work and perhaps if it's actually a quality they put out and the point is you cannot really be sure what they put out unless and until you buy the program or buy the services and at which is already too late like the friend of mine just gave me this package this week and I'm telling you the money that he paid for it was a waste of his money what happened according to him about three years ago he was looking to invest I did not know this so he just told me this this week as I was talking to him about the first episode of my podcast and he was talking about that three years ago he was doing some investment and he really didn't get too much into whether he was successful or not but from what I can gather he was not so I as we were talking he says well I bought this particular package and it cost me about four thousand dollars and I'm like wow and he says but he find it totally useless and he says can you check it out and see what your opinion is on this so I have looked at this particular package and I also checked what's available if it's still available today and it's still available it's selling like five and a half thousand dollars now I will just tell you what's in the package and it's not necessarily representative what everybody's selling but it's pretty close from my understanding now 
it was divided into it was basically one DVD the whole thing and he had some books of other things that uh, he basically physically didn't want to send me so just send him what was on the DVD and on the DVD there were six sessions of different uh, uh, parts of the investment process about the beginning then talk about some mark about the market and, and so on and so forth I don't remember every single session uh, section of it but it was about six of them now in those six sections there were I believe about 12 videos altogether those 12 videos were no longer than 35 minutes altogether that's it okay that's all there was and in that 35 uh, minute video there was not one minute that was any use for anything most of them out of the 12 videos eight of them actually nine of them were explaining terms what is a stock uh, what is that called an investment so basically they were just explaining terms that you can just google and get for free then they were explaining how on their side in three videos how on their side you can use this uh, investment kit that you can just try and see how whether you can actually do something with that you know some one of these things that you can try the tickers and see if you can actually fake invest yourself into uh, portfolios and then you can learn through that way that was three videos there was one video when they were talking about a particular stock they never named it and what happened is they were talking about the industry average line which shows that usually how much the in the industry in that particular market this particular industry that this stock belonged to where they are trading and how much this stock was underneath that and they say look this stock goes down now this stock goes up that was all for that and they were talking about when something like this is under industry average usually that means that it will go back up and should be trading on top of it so it's a good investment but they said well but you have to make a decision and you have to speculate yourself about whether you should invest or should not invest and very literally that was what my friend got three years ago for four thousand dollars and what is selling right now for five thousand five hundred dollars basically okay this is why I'm talking about you should be aware what really certain people sell in that kit that you're getting now to comparison when you go to stock autopsy which is my group you get for $185 a month it's a monthly membership you get one-on-one -on -one time with me through Skype or Zoom you get email when we can talk about what you want to invest in we can look at specific stocks and companies and we can talk about when you should invest how should you invest is it worth it not worth it you have a group of people women and men who are in the same shoes as you are and they basically have a commu community where you can talk to them have friendship with them talk to each other about so many many ways that you can enhance your actually experience of investing and make better decisions than buying a five thousand dollar kit that really does not do anything for you so really a question you have to ask yourself what do you want and how do you want to proceed and really can you trust somebody on the internet you haven't seen you can't talk to them and everything else to make a decision for you or sell you something that might be useless to you versus one-on-one -on -one 
person to talk to, people to talk to, and really, really have an environment where it's conducive to making money and making better decisions. Now, I'm not doing this to bang my chest about my group per se, but when you evaluate that you're actually going to put a large amount of money into something that you want to grow, and in the meantime, you can also lose it just like this easily on the market, you better make wiser decisions before you put your money into it, into anything really to help you to make better decisions about stocks and what to buy. And really, really, unless you have all kinds of money throw away, you really, really cannot make a, a more educated decision than actually talking to somebody versus buying something online that you're really not sure how much use you will have for it. But beside all this, I also would like to mention something for you, uh, for your convenience. Uh, and forget just about my group about this, it's not about that. Uh, I talked to one ex, sort of not invest, but he was working for an investment investor guy. He was his uh, I know, personal secretary or something to that effect. And he basically told me how this person was working. And when he was talking about stocks for people to invest, he sort of looked at patterns, but he just basically picked 10 stocks that sort of were trending online and basically gave these names to them. And what he was working on, he was basically working on a law of average, meaning that he was hoping that six out of the 10 would go up higher so people can make money and only lose four of them. Basically, he was doing work on the ads, hoping that more would succeed than not. And this way, people would be happy and come back for him, to him to invest money in with him or get, you know, pay for his advice. And he says that a lot of the people who are in this market doing all this for people to invest for them or giving them advice on particular stocks, they are basically similar to sports gamblers who basically say, hey, the Patriots going to win today and I have this secret thing because of this and this and this. And basically the only thing they do is, well, I have a 50-50 chance and if I have 10 teams that I'm ranking, I'm hoping I can do six or seven out of 10, even though I have no better information than you can get on Google anytime you, you know, just enter the names in. So when you enter into places like this with people who promised you all this and you can, I guarantee you're going to win and you have all these people telling you, yeah, just go to this guy. Well, a lot of times that are fake, that can be paid for, but a lot of times what you end up is people just playing on an average and for that you are paying for. Because there's always something happening you have to check out. Session, I would like to talk about something that was very interesting in a financial magazine a couple of days ago. And it was talking about an event that happened on the 5th of July in the markets. And I would like to address it because this particular article was, I think, a little bit was misleading in that aspect that I want to talk about it. And it, because it is actually misleading in many ways how people talk about investment as well 
and using that same term. And I'm talking about how interest rates, the bank interest rates can affect stock prices. Now, what this article was stating and what when you go to any, any place where they talk about stock terms and they're talking about what's affecting your stock prices, they say, well, stock prices are affected by interest rates. And that's sort of misleading. For instance, in that article that I'm looking at and I was I'm talking about, the writer who's a senior writer, market writer, he basically said that people stopped, mark, uh, the market stopped uh, trading. Basically what he's, but the way he said was people stopped trading. And that's why it's like the SMT, S&P 500 and some of the other markets dropped significantly because people, investors in general, were waiting for the central bank, the Fed, to receive, they reduced the interest rates due to the fact that the economic numbers were so good. And because they were waiting for this drop and or the perceived drop in the interest rate, all of a sudden people like everyday investors stopped trading. And basically what it says and the connotation of this story is, and how it's set up when you look at it as an information, it says that people in general, everyday investors are waiting for these interest rates and because of that, things like the market will drop. Now, in a lot of ways, actually, it is very far from the truth and this is why I would like to talk about it. You see, the thing is when it comes to markets and everyday investors such as you and I that would invest $500 here, $1,000 there, 10, 15, whatever that but smaller amounts, as we invest, that's really, really just a drop in a bucket compared to what bigger investment firms and other bigger Wall Street companies do as a matter of amount of investment. And as you saw on the 5th of Friday, when the markets were dropping, it wasn't that everyday investors stopped investing as the, as the mag uh, magazine article would say it, and as it's usually said in information sheets, that bec and because of that, the market dropped. No, it dropped. The market dropped because the, these investment firms and Wall Street companies that are into stocks for tens of millions, hundreds of millions, or even billions of dollars, they stopped trading because they were hoping that with a lower interest rate, even if it's a quarter point or a half a point, they can borrow against that and basically pay back less amount. So it would be basically in layman's term would be cheaper for them to invest and they stopped investing not everyday people everyday people first of all they don't really think about these type of things about bank interest rates to borrow against when they invest and even though and like normal regular people when they invest a thousand two thousand ten thousand a quarter of a half a point drop it would be not give them a significant amount of sort of less payment back on because of the interest that would work for them to stop trading. It's the bigger companies. And this is why I feel it's misleading when there is an article that sort of suggests that it's people in general are not trading. Because when you examine how the stock market is set up, it is basically set up for larger trading. And if you look at what happened on Friday, that certain bigger trading companies and, and Wall Street in some ways stopped trading, how much did impact 
the overall markets. When you and I stop trading, and even a million of us stop trading, the impact on the market would not, wouldn't, wouldn't be basically almost noticeable from that point of view. So when they say that people in general invest, investors are not trading, it's not really true from what they say. And I want you to understand that you as an individual investor has really, really small impact on what's actually going on on the markets and how it impacts certain prices. Now, the second reason I want to men mention this, because I know that a lot of times what happens is when the markets start to drop the way they did, people get panicked because some of these stocks that were dropping that were not trading, that perhaps some of them were people having it and they were saying, holy crap, my stocks are just dropping and started to panic and they sold off of it. Now, here is what I would like to say. When you see these drops because of the bigger companies stop trading, keep your stocks, keep your investment. Don't worry about if it's going to fall for a day or two or three. Historically, the prices always go back up as soon as these companies start to trade more and basically sometimes even higher than they were before, before they stopped trading. So that is my, basically my advice to you because I know a lot of people got scared on Friday and start to sell off smaller investors, not understanding that basically it's just bigger investors waiting for the bank to figure out what they want to do with things. And as soon as the bank says, well, we're not going to lower interest, rest, interest rates, they start to trade back up again and the prices went up as well, just as it did before. Now, let's go to the tips of the day. podcast uh, in during this session I was talking about GM and Tesla and I was asked why I was talking about these two companies but well, Tesla is one of those companies that I've been paying more attention to because I have a couple of friends who work there and they were not very happy about how the company treated them but in general speaking I looked at GM because I, when I try to explain about stocks and I want people to look at companies to invest in, I really believe that companies that have been around for a longer period of time tend to be, tend to be, not always as it's proven today with the company I'm going to talk in a couple of seconds is that tend to be more stable investment on the long term. And the reason for it is because these companies have been surviving for such a long time it's sort of uh, not necessarily expected, but it is you can see that people have more tolerance and in a way, Wall Street has more tolerance towards these companies. And a lot of times they are part of a bigger family because they've been belonging to the institution for such a long time. And because of such, they treated and looked upon differently. Uh, for instance, if you look at the two companies today I'm talking about, one of them is Nokia, the other is GE. Now, like I said, GE is in a way defining the fact about what I was going to talk about being more stable investment. However, and this is a big thing to look at, even how the company stocks are today, the company itself is actually making sales. It is actually selling products 
on a fairly constant level. Whether they make profit or not, that's another program to talk about it and why that doesn't happen. One of the reasons is because their expenses are way out of whack and they don't know how to fix it. Plus the investment into new technology and that usually drains a lot of the cash out from the, uh, out of the, the system. But besides all that, uh, one of the reasons G is in here for me was to look at that how sometimes because of upper management, market can, market can re and will react in a very, very negative way for one or two sentences as a CEO says. Like if you look at it, when the new CEO came in, he right away in a press conference, press conference and I read that, he says that it's going to be bad for the company. It's all basically what he said, sorry, my pardon me, my language, he says it's all shit and it's going to be really suffering for years and so on and so forth. So what happened was the stocks right away started to plummet. Why? Well, when the CEO comes in and starts to lay out this stupidity, basically, what happened is people panic and they want to sell their shares. And that's what actually what happened. Their losses for GM because of this one sentence or two sentences this guy said is in the tens of billions of dollars because the share prices went down to under the frog's butt. Now, of course, right now it's sort of stopped around six dollars something and now around 10 and, a, 10 and a change just under 11 been sitting there for a while or at least a large amount of effort for the prices to go back up. Unfortunately, that might not come until they replace the CEO because right now, even though the company sales are maintaining a particular level and they really haven't dropped, the trust in this man is really, really at an all-time low and every single time he opens his mouth, it seems like it's always negative and negative. And he might be telling the truth, but the point is you do not say things like that and expect your stock prices to stay up and people will be happy about what you say. Even though I believe that really, really, it was not necessarily the truth. He just basically opened his mouth and that came out of it. Now, Despite what I just said in the last four and a half minutes, though, I really would think that actually it might be worth it to invest in GE stocks for one very simple reason. Since they, even though they lost some money and they lost large amounts, uh, even though that their sales are maintained, uh, and I mean revenues basically they maintained a particular high level as it was before. So they're not really losing that much on the top. And what happened is if you have a new person who just comes in with a new vision and try to just make things work better, even just look better for general public, the stocks from the optimism by itself will go up. And imagine that right now you can buy stocks for $10 and change. You know what, in a year or two, those stocks could go up significantly because of these changes. So it might be worth looking at. Now, not for short term, but definitely for the long term. Today, the second company that I would like to talk about is Tesla. Now, I have a little bit of special relationship with Tesla, and I want to put that forward because Twice I submitted a contract uh, proposal for them to able to save them money and twice I got rejected 
telling me because I'm too small, they don't deal with small companies like myself. Now, one of them was six months before the famous crying game with the CEO of Nokia. The other one was a couple of years ago. And the reason was the same reason, because I'm too small, even though I could save them money. Now, why I'm not saying this because I feel bitter about it. I'm just saying that I have a little bit more deeper knowledge of what's going on in Nokia because I've been studying it for the purpose of that contract. Also, I have a very small relationship, if you can call it, an exchange with also with the chairman of the board of Nokia because him and I talked previously on LinkedIn on a very limited basis, of course. And he's actually a very nice person, but what I find is he has a little bit hard time making a decision on certain things and and that shows on how much leeway he gives this management group that's presently at Nokia because honestly in, in many other companies many other ways the board would have already taken steps to replace the management group now what happened is in Nokia happening in Nokia is 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 twofold one and is basically based on that the upper management is very well isolated itself from the rest of the company. About a year and a half ago, there was an article in Finnish papers and asking why is it that Nokia was losing so much money and why is it that Nokia really hasn't been growing. And the CEO was saying, because part of the article was, that middle managers are coming out openly saying that their words and what they want to do input-wise were not listened. And upper management was constantly telling them that their opinion did not matter to them. Now, the CEO at that time to that newspaper says, well, perhaps we should start listening and start involving more middle management in decision making. Now, I don't know personally if that happened or not, but for us, I was looking at since articles and what happened with Nokia, it did not seem to be the place. Now, when it comes to investment in Nokia, and as you look at Nokia's price, it's pretty similar to what GE has. But however, there's one big, big exception. And that comes to the direction of the company and actually of the decision making of the company. And this is why you need to know more about in depth about a company. For instance, when it comes to Ozo, that 360 degree camera that they invented and it was called as a revolutionary new technological device, never went anywhere because management, upper management actually, could not figure out what to do with it. Even the CEO came out and said, well, we didn't know if we can figure out what to do with that. Hopefully somebody buys the patent from us and they can figure out what to do with it. So this is partly what is going on and being a dysfunctional company. So even though the sales numbers might be up, even though they still lose money on the side, what happens is, is the dysfunctional management of not knowing what to do when something comes up. And even two years ago, the, uh, the, what the CEO was talking about is, well, when the 5G network comes out and companies start buying the patent from us and the technology from us, that will help us to pull us out. So his whole idea is for a year, year and a half was to wait until 5G kicks in and start to make money. In the meantime, they were basically producing just average telephones for a Chinese company and that's basically how they base the time. So that shows really no vision and really no clue where they want to go with that company. So 
unless there's a new CEO that will come in and, and basically just pull the pants on this company and starts doing something with that. Because I can see personally, when I mentioned this to the chairman of the board, I know what you could do with this company. There are so many potentials because there are so many great brains and engineers in Finland that been there for decades for this company. I said Duke company could be a hundred billion or even more as a company growth wise. But you guys don't see it because you're waiting for things to happen instead of proactively seeking out what to do with it. So unless you have somebody who can be come in and take charge and do things with that, this company really will have hard time growing and hard time making money and really hard time doing anything with the stock as a growth that you're looking for. So for these reasons, I really, really, even though I love Nokia as a company from the point of view of potential, at the moment because of the leadership and its blindness as they're going forward, I would not recommend the stocks to be invested in. You send me questions because you want to know, so it's time for me to step up and give you the answers. Let's start this week's Q&A with Jamie Daniels question. Uh, Jamie says, why I should join your stock group on Facebook? Well, there are many reasons beside the one-on-one -on -one time that you get with me and the email access and all that you will learn about individual stocks, for instance, plus the money that it helped you to make. You know, just look beyond that. It's basically the friendships and the, uh, the in the group that you have developed because there are a lot of good people in there who are in the same position as you are that basically want to get a role, want to able to invest properly. And you will find that a lot of these people are very happy to share things with you, talk to you, and just basically uh, create a non-judgmental safe environment with full of support where you can grow and, and learn how to make better investment decisions. I think you will find that these little things, uh, especially the group and plus all the stuff that uh, you will get inside the group besides looking at companies, examining stocks, one-on-one -on -one sessions with me on, on Zoom or any other way, email access and all that, you will find that these little things that you get from the group itself will make a heck of a difference about how you can invest and really how you will like to invest and make it more enjoyable for you to make money on the long run. Before we go to the next question, here is the last clue for the trivia. This particular person lives in a property worth $125 million. That is a huge clue. So remember one more time, this person lives in a property worth $125 million. Okay, that out of the way, let's go to the next question. Linda Hegarty asks, why cannot make money investing? Well, there could be a multitude of reasons why it might be that you haven't made any money or why you have difficulty going anywhere. Uh, my suggestion is that you could always connect with me. I do free consulting to just to help people out. However, if you uh, really don't feel maybe comfortable talking to me, but let me see how I can help you on the go here and perhaps give you a couple of little things that you can look at to perhaps make your investment grow. 
Well, the very first thing I would suggest, you never go with a stock recommendation unless you really look at that stock uh, and the company and you check it out for yourself because anybody can recommend anything and that does not necessarily make it good for you or your investment plans or anything else. So check out always when somebody mentions something to you. Uh, when you look at investment as a company, always look at older companies. The companies that have been around for 20, 30 years, they tend to be more safer, more reliable and more easier to invest. Now there are some exceptions like G, what happened in the last couple of years and maybe Nokia as we talked about, but there are many other companies who have been fairly stable and even though they're not necessarily making more money, they don't tend to drop in prices and it makes a more long-term safe investment for you. Now, this might be a little bit difficult perhaps, but if you can't figure out the up and down movement of the day and so on and so forth, because sometimes that could be taunting, look at the stock itself and see if in the past let's say five years when it did go up did come down and how that pattern fits in what's going on right now and see if you perhaps can see any similarities what happened in the past to what's going on right now and maybe maybe somehow connect them the two together let's say if it's been going down three years ago for a couple of months and allison just picked up at a certain time and now you see it's more or less in the same position well maybe that could mean that it will go up that's something you would have to figure out on your own let's say but perhaps past experience and past performance sometimes equals future performance as well when it comes to stock this basically what i could recommend right now but my suggestion would be come make an appointment with me and let's talk and i'm more than happy to just help you and even you can join the group and we can you can learn actually how to do investment so you can make money Okay, the last question comes from James Mandury. Can you please give me just one stock that is more secure than others? Well, there are many out there. And as I said, usually companies on a long term, like they've been established longer, usually more stay. But there is one stock I usually can recommend without any exception to any people, any anybody not just because i have heard the ceo talk about the stocks and his mentality and how he looks at people his company and the stocks itself but because it's truly truly actually you know is very well performing for the last decade or so without the exception and that's costco when you look at the company and you listen to the ceo you will know that he cares about profit but he looks after his company and he cares about overall customer satisfaction more than quarterly reports and how the stocks go up and down. What he did and what he accomplished with this basically is that a very fact that his stock is, the company's stock is been going up very steadily year after year, year after year. And you can really, really look at it for as a long-term investment. It's been very stable for a long time. And it's been doing very well. It's because of how the owner of the company, the CEO is managing the company and it's been doing very, very well. So if you want one secure investment, I always recommend Costco. It's, it's doing very well and it's been doing very well for a long time. I would like to thank you for listening to this podcast and I would like to remind you that if you have any question, just email me at gabriel.ronkai at protonmail.com or set up an appointment with me uh, and let's talk about it because my point is and my reason in bringing all this to you so you can have a better investment experience and you can grow and make more money. Thank you very much again for listening. This was Gabriel Ronkai and you have a very nice day.